we have been doing this all summer, looking at uh, uh, selected psalms, basically from the first half of the uh, of the Psalter, and working our way through those. We have uh, touched on Psalm one and Psalm two, Psalm eight, Psalm sixteen. Psalm 22 and Psalm 23, and each week I've reminded you of the genres of each one of those psalms, which I'm going to do again right now. Uh, psalm 1 is a, a wisdom, it's turned a, a wisdom psalm because it deals with the ultimate fate of both the righteous and the wicked, and, uh, and the uh, wisdom of the one way and the folly of the other way. Psalm 2 is a royal psalm because it deals with the king, and uh, Eight is a, is a psalm of praise or worship. Sixteen and twenty-three are both psalms of confidence. And Psalm twenty-two, which is dealt with in between those two, is a is a lament. And that brings us this morning to Psalm thirty-two, which I have in my Bible. I've gone through. I think I've already said that I've gone through this book of Psalms and written what genre each one was, and I have, next to Psalm 32, I've got Lament. Uh, and then I began in preparing for this sermon this morning, I started reading all the literature and, and discovered that uh, there are a number of people who say, no, it's not a lament, it's a psalm of thanksgiving. But they're arguing against by another bunch of scholars who say, no, it's a it's a wisdom song. And the truth of the matter is that it's all of those things. And it's more. All of them, everyone you read, are agreed that it is a penitential song. So now my study Bible says up at the top, lament slash thanksgiving slash wisdom parenthesis penitential you're taking notes and you want to get all that down, there's the kind of psalm we're looking at this morning. There are these elements uh, uh, throughout the psalm, uh, which brings us uh, to the psalm, Psalm 32, which is a masculine, whatever that means, of David. Uh, there's, there is at least a debate about that. There are several things it may mean, and we're not sure exactly what it means here. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by this heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, 
but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In a nutshell, the psalm says David confessed his sin, was forgiven, and urged others to follow his example, enter into his experience. That said, let's pray. Our God and our Father, you have spoken, and you have spoken through men. This morning you have spoken to us by your Spirit through David. Give us understanding. Uh, Give us wills that are willing to apply that understanding in life to the end that we may rejoice and we may walk with Jesus, your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. The Heidelberg Catechism was written in Heidelberg, Germany, about 80, well, not about, exactly 80 years before the writing of the Westminster uh, uh, Larger and Shorter Catechism, the Confession and Larger and Shorter Catechisms. It was uh, one of the, I guess, forefathers of the Westminster Confession, which is part of our uh, standards, are the confessional standards of our church, the Westminster Confession and Catechisms. The Heidelberg Catechism, together with the Belgian Catechism and the canon, uh, Belgian Confession and the uh, Canons of Dort, are the uh, confessional standards of the Reformed churches on the continent of Europe as well as in North America. And we're sister denominations. We believe we have basically a common uh, theology, and that's reflected in the the fact that the churches like us on the continent, by and large, are called Reformed, and uh, those churches on uh, on this continent uh, that are of Dutch and German extract that came over from the continent of of Europe are called Reformed churches, where we who came from the British Isles, uh, where the issue was not so much theology, they were Calvinists, but the difference came in ecclesiology. Uh, We were Presbyterian in our ecclesiology, and and, uh, they weren't, uh, the people who we contested with. And uh, so we came to be known by what we stood for, which was Presbyterianism. Isn't that interesting how we, we identify ourselves so often by what we're against compared to everybody else? But anyway, uh, so we're Presbyterian. Interestingly enough, those Reformed churches have exactly the same sort of uh, church government that we have, an ecclesiology that we have, called by different names, but the uh, exact same thing. But their stress was on doctrine, ours was on ecclesiology, on church, and particularly church government. That said, I've got way off track. The Heidelberg Catechism, the first two questions are, the first question is this, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is a beautiful answer, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. 
In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Then there's a second question, which is hugely important given the nature of the answer to the first question. What must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? And then the answer is three things. First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am set free from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. At question three in the Heidelberg Catechism, that first section begins. And then uh, it's a short section, somewhere around 12, question 12, 13, I can't remember now. It's been a long time since I've studied it. But the, uh, the second section begins, and it's a long section, and then you get to the end, uh, towards the end of the thing, and there's a shorter section, the third. Then we sum up in three words. Guilt, grace, gratitude. Now you've got the outline for the Heidelberg Catechism. If anybody ever asked you that at work or something, you can just, there it is. Um, here's my point, though. What gets us from guilt to grace and gratitude is true confession rising up out of faith. That's what I'm going to say this morning. That's the point of the sermon. That's what I'm going to say in the sermon. You can write that down, you know, put in your earplugs, listen to somebody else, do something else, whatever. That's the sermon. But if I quit now, you'll probably dock my pay. So, uh, let's have a sermon. Psalm 32 suggests that this, you know, confessing uh, in order to get from guilt to grace and gratitude. Uh, isn't a one-time initiatory uh, act uh, that's, that's just, uh, uh, you know, kept at the conversion stage of life, but rather that it is an ongoing, repeated process of the Christian life. David, remember, wrote this song. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. David was God's king over his people, Israel. David was the ancestor and type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing of his experience of living out those things. Martin Luther said that, you know, he nailed his 95 theses to uh, the church door. The first one, one of which said, essentially, the whole of the Christian life is repenting. The whole of the Christian life is repentance. And never do you have true repentance without confession. The two go hand to hand. And that's the whole of the Christian life, said Luther. Well, all that said. Here's the song. David begins Psalm 32 in a strange place. He begins at the end. <laughs> he begins 
with, with, with the comprehensiveness, the absolute comprehensiveness of God's forgiveness. That ought to come at the end after he deals with all the other stuff he does, but he starts with that for a reason. He wants us to get it. The absolute comprehensiveness of God's forgiveness. Look at verses 1 and 2. He uses three terms there for sin. He begins with the word transgressions. You look at the meaning of that Hebrew word. It means rebellion. It means deliberately crossing the line. You're out enjoying a spring or fall day in the woods. You're walking along and you come to that barbed wire fence and there on the fence is that sign that says no trespassing upon penalty of law or death or, you know, whatever. Had that sign not been there, you see the barbed wire, you'd walk around it and just go on your way. But that sign's there. And it's in the nature of the thing that all of a sudden you find yourself crawling between the barbed wire and crossing the line. That's what transgressions are. There are deliberately or maybe not deliberately, maybe accidentally crossing the line. But it's going over that line. Not that the property owner, well it is the property owner, it's the property owner of everything. The line that God has set. And then he talks about sin, whose sin is covered. It's basically a falling short, falling short of a goal, falling short of a desire. Uh, In the case of this, uh, it's it's a a falling short of God's right demands to us. In the Bible, the same word, the same root word, is used of an archer or a team of archers shooting at a target. And... uh, and falling short. The arrow doesn't get to the target. It falls short. That's what sin is. Third is iniquity. You know, we're supposed to walk straight and narrow. Uh, whether it's that path that juts off the broad path way, or it's like Bernie Kuyper said, and I quoted, it's right in the middle of that broad path that's going the opposite direction. Iniquity is straying off that path. It's, it's you know, not, not being able to walk right down that path. It's going off on this side, going off on that side. And, and so you have three aspects of sin, David says. It's, it's crossing the line. Uh, it's falling short. It's straying. And by that, he covers all his bases. Then he used three terms for Forgiveness. Blessed is one whose transgression is forgiven. But the idea, the, the, the root of that word is lifted away or carried away. Um, how can God forgive? Well, in David's day, there was a sacrificial system. And uh, animals were killed every morning. Sacrifices for sin to make, to make worshipers right. Make them able to come into the worship of God. Uh, make them able to, to have a relationship with God. They were cleansed by the sacrificial offering. And one day a year, one day a year, there was a special offering. 
and a goat was sacrificed. A goat was brought in, and it was sacrificed to the Lord. But it had another goat in it. There were actually a pair, but only one sacrifice. And the priest would lay his hand on the hands on the head of the second goat, and would confess the sins of all of Israel onto that goat. And then another priest would take the goat and lead it as far away from the people as he could get. Out into the barren wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere, and he had turned the goat free. That's the picture. Your sins are lifted up off of you, put on another, and taken away. That's the idea of forgiveness. It points us to the cross, doesn't it? Right in Hebrews in the second chapter says, uh, Christ was offered once to bear, to lift, to take away the sins of many. Peter says, he himself bore, same idea, same word, same idea, bore our sins in the body on the tree. He took the weight of them off of us. He bore them. Then there's a word covered. Whose sin is covered. Um, it's the idea, the root is the idea of what we call atonement. If you break down that word atonement, what is it? At one met. It's talking about our reconciliation to God, about our being back with God, if you will. It's that, that act by which we're reconciled. And our past sin becomes just that. Past sin swept back away from us. And we're free to move on in the relationship. And, and then there's uh, the third one. Um, Blessed is man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And you know what that means. That means he doesn't charge it to our account. It's charged to another. It's taken off of our account. We get, you know, we get our, our bill. <laughs> our statement at judgment and we don't want to look at it because, you know, we're, we're actually, there are two classes of Christians. i got to explain this. Two classes of Christians. There are trespass Christians and there are dead Christians. You understand what I'm saying? You go to a wedding and the congregation says in unison the Lord's Prayer. And this side of the church invariably says trespasses and this side says debts. You know, when they get to that part of the Lord's Prayer. And it's, that's the way it is, you know. Uh, and so, here's our debts. We get there, we've got our, we're fixing to get our statement, our final statement. This is a final statement. This is a It's that radical. It's that comprehensive. Every manner of sin is met by every manner of forgiveness. And David's got it right. And he starts at the right place. How blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven. Do you get it? That's got to undergird everything else we say. Blessedness of this radical 
comprehensive, absolute forgiveness. Of course, that raises a question. How do we get there? <laughs> That's an important question. How do we get there? And the answer is by confessing our guilt. <laughs> by confessing we don't deserve to be there. That's how it is. Verse uh, 3. Notice in verse uh, 5, excuse me, can't read my numbers. 5. Notice the language. It's just like verse 1. He uses the same three terms for sin with the exact same meanings. And then he uses three terms for confession. Acknowledged, which means to admit, uh, to make something known, to acknowledge it is to, to make it known, to broadcast it even. Did not cover, he says, I didn't cover my sin, which means to uncover it, to not keep it concealed, to uncover it, to let it be known. Let it be shown. He confessed means to own up, to plead guilty, to accept the blame, to tell the truth. If you translate that into Greek, the Greek word for confession is interesting. Homo legale, which means same, well, to say the same. Homo same, legale, to say. It means, you know, when they say, you've done something, you say the exact same thing. I've done it. When God says, you know, you've lusted in your heart and are guilty of adultery, what do you say? I've lusted in my heart and I'm guilty of adultery. That's what confession is. It's agreeing with God, saying the same thing God says. And note the total, total, complete ownership I acknowledged. I did not cover. I said, I will confess my sin, my iniquity, my transgressions. It's the same comprehensiveness there. It's a comprehensive confession. It covers the same ground as that forgiveness. Maybe we should say that forgiveness covers the same ground as the confession. And right here we have to stop and say, but wait a minute. There's a caveat, a huge, absolutely essential caveat that we must, must insert. It must be an honest, genuine, well-meant confession. Blessed is a man, verse 1 or verse 2, and then the end of verse 2, in whose spirit there is no deceit. That's a qualifier to those blessings of forgiveness. It has to be real. It has to be complete. Uh, there can be nothing concealed or misrepresented. You can't cross your fingers. And that only comes from faith, real faith, trust in that one to whom you're confessing. Verses 8 through 10, that's the wisdom part, by the way, of the psalm. I will instruct you. This is God's response. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and bridle, or will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. 
just confession made out of the trust, faith in the Lord that he hears and that he responds to with forgiveness. And all of that, all of that brings us to the high cost of keeping quiet. Now, verse 3. There is no joy, there is no gladness, there is no singing, none of those things, as long as you and I keep our sins to ourselves. Gerald Wilson, Old Testament scholar, wrote, the destructive effects of repressed and unexpressed emotions and anxieties can be powerfully experienced in physical pain and psychological disintegration, to which David attested. He could and he did attest. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Could have been actual physical, uh, something wrong with him physically. He could be describing a deep depression, probably describing all of the above. Steve Brown got a new book out. You may not know of it. Some of them did. Crazy. Uh, got a new book out. His agenda is about the masks we wear. And in it he talks about, and one radio show he used to have, doesn't have any more, and you'll see why in a minute. They heard that there was a Christian nudist camp at a beach there in Florida where he lives. And so he sends two of his staff people out to investigate, perhaps to an interview, whatever, you know, come back and report on, on the radio show. And so they go, and they come back. I said, what was the most surprising thing? He said, how ugly the people were. <laughs> what? Just, a, it was ugly, man, it was ugly. And said, are Christians uglier than everybody else? No. So they weren't any uglier than people at the non-Christian Nudist camp. They just didn't have clothes on to cover up the ugliness. It's the same thing down the street at the non-Christian. You know, they're ugly. They didn't have clothes on. They'd taken all their clothes off. The ugliness was on display for everyone to see. We cover up the ugliness of our sin, don't we? We put our Sunday clothes on. We put our masks on. Brown would say. And oh, how it costs us. What a price we pay. We suffer physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. If you can figure out any other adjective, we suffer that way too. All because we do not carry Everything to God. Hmm? So, based on his own personal experience of silence broken by confession, David calls his readers, you and me, to follow his example, follow his lead. Do what he did. 
Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you, God, at a time when you, God, may be found. Why don't you just say, everybody pray to God? I hear all the time, you know, it's never too late, never too late, never too late. That's nonsense. Sometimes it is too late. Five minutes after you're dead, it's too late. In the second book of Chronicles, the 36th chapter, speaking of God and his relationship with his people, it's isn't written about God and the pagans. It's not written about God and the Canaanites. It's not written about God and the Philistines. It's written about God and God's people, identified with him. Yahweh, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. This is Judah, Jerusalem, the temple. But, there's that word, they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people. And listen, the most chilling words I've ever heard, until there was no remedy. One more paragraph, and then the book of Chronicles is closed, Second Chronicles is closed. And that paragraph describes the absolute destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon. And God's people, God's church in the Old Testament, God's people led into 70 years of captivity and exile, from which they never really Fifty-five, 55th chapter of Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And then later on, you know, right down, you know, a few lines later, for my ways are not your ways, and your ways are not my ways, for my ways are higher than you. That seek the Lord while it may be found, call upon while he's near. In the ESV study Bible, I think, one of my study Bibles, in the, in the margin it says, since this is God's offer, he's free to withdraw it. Pray to God. Call upon him while he can be found. While he is near. And then David held out the good consequence of doing that. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Doesn't say that the floodwaters don't come. Doesn't say that troubles don't rise. Doesn't say that at all but does say there's presence, there's protection, there's ultimate deliverance in God's time, in God's way. And now we come to the conclusion. 
and run out of things to say, but I've run out of time to say it. Conclusion. In his first epistle, the Apostle John uh, summed up the teaching of Psalm 32 from the New Testament perspective. He wrote, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Grace follows confession of guilt and should beget gratitude. So David, having called us to confession, then in verse 11, bids us be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright.